This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You know, there's something really strange about Los Angeles, if you really think about it. They're so obsessed with their animals. Like, I love Coco. I love my dog. But, you know, she just recently went to the vet. She got some teeth. She had to get her teeth cleaned and she Aww. had to get her some, some teeth removed. Her little snaggle tooth, the whole reason why I got her. I, I took away her overbite. Her signature snaggle tooth? No, it's so unfortunate. But yeah, she had to get it removed. And I'm like, okay, yeah, let's just do it. I've been taking care of her, right? Well, I go and pick her up and they have her teeth in a little baggie being like, yo, we thought you would want to keep her teeth. What? Why would I ever want to keep her teeth? What am I supposed to do with it? Put on a necklace. That is disgusting. She's not a baby. <laughs> like, I, I was telling my mom that, and my mom was like, no, that's normal. I kept your umbilical cord. I'm like, you know we're talking about an actual animal here. I'm not a fur animal. I thought she was your fur baby. I mean, she is, but it's not like I'm keeping, like, a, a memory book of her. I feel like people do have, like, animal memory boxes where that's they keep weird. all those types of things. I'm not keeping Coco. See, I mean, they are still sitting on my counter because I'm trying to figure out what to do with them. Maybe they're, like, a lucky They're thing. skinny, too. They're, like, little, little skinny teeth. But yeah. I will say, I was also offended. This is the first time they called her old. Wow. And, um, yeah, when you call a dog old, that just means that they're basically about to die anytime soon. So I'm on a journey of just letting Coco eat whatever she wants until she dies. Seems very responsible as an owner. <laughs> I mean, don't try to prolong her life. Just like, get her to die. I want her quickly. to live her final days happy. You know, because she is only like six or seven. That seems really young. That's still, still very young. And I can't believe they said she was old. They're like, we put her under soft anesthesia because she's she's so old now. I'm like, excuse me? Watch your mouth, sir. It's amazing how personal it gets. Yeah, right? I was offended. It felt like they called me old. And I was just like, I will fight you just right saying, now. You're Almost 30. Anyway, let's talk about something else and getting triggered. (laughs) All right, let's uh, talk about what's coming up. The conversation around Gabby Petito and other women's stories, women of color that aren't being told. We're going to get into uh, that at 3.35 p.m. Pacific, 6.35 p.m. Eastern. Plus, the sexual assault survivor that's suing Nicki Minaj and her husband is speaking out. That's at the T-Report in a moment. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour. President Biden promised today that his administration would buy 500 million doses of the Pfizer coronavirus vaccine, uh, and it would then donate it for distribution across the world. The United States is buying another half billion doses of Pfizer to donate to low and middle income countries around the world. This is another half billion doses that will all be shipped by this time next year. And it brings our total commitment of donated vaccines to over 1.1 billion 
vaccines to be donated. Put another way, for every one shot we've administered to date in America, we have now committed to do three shots to the rest of the world. Biden addressed the U.N. addressing the pandemic, and that's where he discussed this. We'll be talking more about that and um, more of what he talked about with the United Nations in a moment. First, let's get into the T-Report, though. What's happening? Yeah, we got to talk about it because the woman at the center of a lawsuit against Nicki Minaj and her husband, Kenneth Petty, is speaking out about the couple's alleged intimidation tactics. It's time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. And yeah, this story is wild. We've uh, seen the scathing New York Times piece where they really did some investigative journalism about all of the moments that Nikki and her husband were trying to offer money and bribing and all these sort of things and even threatening her family and threatening her in her life. Well, um, Jennifer Hugh is her name, said during an appearance with her lawyer um, on The Real today, a very interesting choice of going, The Real, the talk show, she uh, spoke about the time that she spoke to Nicki Minaj directly. Here is what she had to say. She said that she got word that I was willing to help them out in a situation. I, I didn't understand what she was referring to. Um, She offered to fly me and my family to L.A. I turned it down and I told her, woman to woman, this really happened. And Nikki is the one who personally reached out to me. She's, you know, in regards to helping her, helping them in this situation. And then the threats that I received because I kept saying no to every offer. One of their associates put $20,000 on my lap. And I still kept saying no. The last message I received was that I should have taken the money because they're going to use that money to put on my head. I mean, chills. And just watching the three-part interview of this and just seeing her body language, it's just really, it's it's, it's sad. And I'm praying for her safety. I'm praying for her mental health. And uh, Nicki Minaj and Kenneth Petty, wow so disappointed ashamed of them they should be ashamed of themselves if she's been complicit in this couldn't she be charged as well well i mean that i think we're going to see this play out and develop as we do with this type of case um but that is your tea report i have more coming up next hour and uh yeah oh my goodness that interview check it out it's it's really really sad but also great job to the ladies of the real yeah when did they become good morning america it's happening Well, uh, as I mentioned, Biden spoke to the United Nations General Assembly and wants the international community to unite with the U.S. But did his message work? The Washington Post joins us for that after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. In his first speech to the United Nations as president, Biden called for unity in addressing the pandemic and climate change. Here's a moment from that. Instead of continuing to fight the wars of the past, we are fixing our eyes on devoting our resources to the challenges that hold the keys to our collective future. Ending this pandemic, addressing the climate crisis, managing the shifts in global power dynamics, shaping the rules of the world on vital issues like trade, cyber, and emerging technologies, and facing the threat of terrorism as it stands today. Joining us right now is Stephen Muffson, business of climate change reporter at The Washington Post. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So how much catching up does Biden need to do after Trump with the U.N.? Because it seems like there's a lot of work to be done. Oh, a tremendous amount. President Trump 
um, was uh, a sort of hostile witness in front of the uh, United Nations. He 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 knew that wasn't a comfortable place for him, and he was always a bit belligerent there. And of course, very importantly, he had withdrawn the United States from the Paris Climate Accord, and uh, you know that wasn't a popular thing to do in the United Nations. Yeah, and I, I, I wonder, what did you think about his overall speech? Do you think it, it nailed it? Do you think this is going to um, really kind of get everyone on the same page? Well, I think it's it's an effort to do that, which is more than, you know, than President Trump was was doing. I mean, I think that President Biden is very much trying to get people uh, to come together, particularly on two issues, climate change and pandemics. These are two issues that are that are really in everyone's interests. I mean, things like trade and your approach to Afghanistan, you know, those sorts of things people have very different approaches to. But climate and pandemic, uh, the climate change and uh, the pandemic are two things where people really need to come together in order to make things work. Um, You know, in some of the negotiations leading up to the uh, climate summit, which is going to be held in early November in Glasgow, um, you know, some countries talking to the United States negotiators have said, well, if you lift uh, certain kind of sanctions or you do trade things or you do this and that, then then maybe we'll go along with what you're what you're asking us to do. But really what what's being asked isn't an us them thing. It's it's something that everyone should do for their own, you know, for their own uh, interests. So how are we going to be working with the rest of the world on things like the pandemic and climate change? Was there anything new that came out that we don't already know about? I mean, we did talk about how they're giving more doses of the vaccine, which I guess is one thing. But Right, right. What do you think? And Well, I think that's, that's the most, uh, one of the most tangible things that can be done. Um, of course, we need leaders in some other countries um, to um, embrace that. And, you know, one of the speakers yesterday was the Brazilian president, Bolsonaro, who um, still doesn't think that uh, you have to go out and get a vaccine. And that's uh, that makes things difficult. But, I, you know, in addition to that, I think the the on climate change, the United States and, and Biden said this is going to try to pump more money into developing countries to do a little something about the rich poor gap. And, um, you know, he said that he would double the amount that we've been transferring so far and then work with Congress to double that again. So that's definitely a gesture in that direction. And will we unite? Is this message a message of unity that resonated? Well, um, you know, I think it resonates to some extent, uh, especially for people who... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who can remember uh, that we had a different president a year ago. Um, on the other hand, you know, not everyone buys it. President Xi uh, made a couple of comments uh, without mentioning the United States, but they were clearly uh, criticizing U.S. policy. And, um, you know, there were a couple of others like that. But I think generally that uh, Biden did the the uh, deliver the kind of speech that he needed to deliver at this point. 
All right. That's yeah, that's I guess for me that's what I, I want to know. Cause it I feel like Joe Biden, President Biden has always been very charming. Like he can get anyone to believe anything, to be honest. And I just wonder mm-hmm. Is it is it really going? Are people believing him? Is America really back in the way that he thinks it is? Well, um, I think <laughs> I think it's it's back in in a lot of ways, and in other ways, definitely not. Because uh, I think dealing with Congress has proven to be a much tougher nut than he expected, um, and we see that happening right now with the reconciliation bill. Uh, the debt ceiling, the debt limit, which is uh, kind of a crazy thing uh, to to uh, to play games with. I mean, just today we had, uh, I think it was four or five different Treasury secretaries uh, try to uh, convince the Treasury. The Treasury doesn't really need convincing, but also to, to to convince McConnell, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, that um, you know you can settle your differences in a lot of different ways, but but saying that you're not going to make good on the United States government debt is just not the way to do that. All right. Well, that was Stephen Muffson, business of climate change reporter at The Washington Post. Thank you so much. Thank you. Now, coming up, why the new Space Force uniforms are causing quite a stir. We get into that next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Space Force is still around. You know, it hasn't gone anywhere, even after Trump. We thought this was his pet project, his passion project, you know? But it is getting more and more legit, it seems, and serious. They have now announced their Space Force uniforms. They basically have these outfits now that I guess look like they're part of the sci-fi TV series Battlestar Galactica from the 2000s. You've never that. seen that show. She's just um, reading that. Name I, two people from Battlestar uh, Galactica. Oh, it, it wasn't... Um, I, I, I can't Bar- even answer it? the question. No, no, know. that was Star Trek. He was in Star Trek and George Takei was in Star Trek. I don't. I mean, I don't, I've never even heard of that show, if I'm being honest. I just wanted to see if you actually knew. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it just looks like basically a generic outfit from a sci-fi show. Now, here's the thing. I have a lot of um, 
issues with this outfit. Oh, here it goes. And you are the fashionista of the group here, I feel. I'm the fashionista of a lot of different groups that I'm in. Oh, watch out. Uh, but, yeah, here's it. I just don't know when they're supposed to be wearing this. Is this like a suit that they wear around the office, or are they wearing this when they are in space? Because it has, like, 17,000 buttons on, and imagine being in zero gravity trying to take off this jacket. You're basically going to die by the time you actually get the jacket off. Two... The guy, um, what's his name? He's like the chief of space operations, General John Raymond. He said something very intense. He says, space is clearly a war-fighting <laughs> yeah. domain, and we're convinced that if deterrence were to fail, we're going to have to fight and win the battle for space superiority. What what threats do they know? Is there a space like alien war going out up there that I don't know about? Like, what is he preparing himself to fight for? He says, let me be clear. We don't want to fight in space, but we want to deter that from happening. So you want to scare us and let us know that there are aliens coming? Or are they fighting each other? Is this, what's that um, that game that you play, Battleship? Yeah. Oh, Do you remember that? Like the, yeah, the game. Yeah, you move the little you things You move around. the things. I've never actually played that game because I was so confused You know, I did play some of those games when I was younger, and it's almost like I blacked out from my childhood because I forget how I even played that. But I remember this. Well, you've had a couple moments where yeah, you've I don't blacked know. out in your adult life. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. All of it is very intense. All of it, it could be a bit entertaining, but it's also, as you mentioned, quite worrisome. Honestly, I think the Space Force is the, the, the best thing that came out of the Trump administration. I think it's the only good thing that we can really name because we have a group people out there who are willing to, you know, help Elon Musk put up his billboard in space. I think that's what the Space Force's first task is going to be. Or maybe they're getting ready to fight Elon Musk in space. Honestly, <laughs> Elon Musk is the alien we should be all worried about. And uh, that, why do I keep forgetting the, found, the founder of Amazon, his name? Because Jeff he doesn't Bezos. matter. They're getting ready to fight those two guys. They're like, we need an army of people to fight the evil from Earth. I just hope it, it airs on TV. I would like to watch. We need a reality if show. There is, Where if there is, is a television... Like, no, if there is seriously a space war... I know we gotta leave. I, I Someone just make sure that there's cameras around. I just want to see what the, the spaceships look like. Are there lasers? Is it really Star Wars? Who knows? Wiring minds want to know. Get uh, A&E on it. Well, next up, it's official. The three things that can make you happy... According to this recent study. What? We, if you don't got it by now, then you're not going to be happy. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Did this marketing campaign go too far? So there was this black truck advertising Wilmore Funeral Home. And the message read, it was like the motto kind of of the company slogan was, don't get vaccinated. Wilmore Funeral Home. That's the best. <laughs> so Honestly, it, it, the funeral home got a business. They got a business to happen. Well, here's the thing. If people ain't dying, then how are they going to keep their business going? So don't get vaccinated. So that ca- uh, catches people's attention. It caught your attention. But when you go to the website, it actually doesn't go to a funeral home. It takes you to a landing page instructing visitors to do the opposite of what's written on the truck. Go get vaccinated. It wasn't... It, this was a whole thing created by an ad agency who hired a truck to drive around Charlotte with a hidden message about vaccines. Oh, I love that. Is this that. brilliant or is this just taking it too far? I think that's cool. I think, you know, at this point, 
desperate measures. <laughs> desperate times call for desperate measures. And um, I think we have to do something to get people on board. And also, they made several points. If this is a funeral, if I ran a funeral home, I would steal that and make that my new slogan. Don't get vaccinated. Because I, I don't we know would how, have... how the p- families would feel about that. Well, don't because come to me. You can go to another funeral home. But some, some, you know, some family that has a sense of humor in the midst of their grieving <laughs> will come to me and, and uh, you know, spend some coin. They just inspired me so much when I saw that truck driving around town that I thought, this is the home yeah. for my dead relative. Yeah, and loved the one. one that didn't get vaccinated. <laughs> That's where they That's deserve to great. be. That's great. So, yeah. The- what, what's the inappropriate thing about this? I don't get it. I genuinely don't. I feel like well, it's this using, is hilarious. It's putting, and, and the realities around death are real here. It's right? real. It, so that's why I think you can joke about it. But no, it's not really something to joke around about. Not in, like joking in about it in the way, but telling people, being making a clear statement about the state of the world and vaccine hesitancy and doing it in a way that is humor filled and also like serious is needed. It brings some lightheartedness to this idea of being like, guess what? If you don't get vaccinated, girl, you're going to be coming right on down to Rudy's funeral home down the street. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, okay. I don't know who Rudy is. If you, if you do have a Rudy funeral home, shout out to you. I just gave your business a great shout out. But that is what's going to happen. It, it, that's just the truth. That's the facts of it all. And if there's something like this driving around the street in small town neighborhoods, well. So here's the thing. This definitely could get buzz and attention, which it did. I just don't think if you're not someone who wants to get vaccinated or you're feeding into all this stuff, I don't know if this would push you over the edge or you would continue to think it's propaganda. And I don't cheap. care about people who don't want to get vaccinated anymore. Well, you should, Let's, put that on the rec- Let's put that on the record because people are awful and they're not doing what needs to happen and take and, and keep everyone safe. And if they want to, like, you know, do what they're doing, guess what? I'm staying far away from people who don't want to get vaccinated. Anyone in my circle is not around anyone who's not vaccinated. Well, let us know if these folks took it too far. At LGT shows where you could slide into our DMs on social media. But next up, SNL released the host for the upcoming season, and one of them is getting a lot of attention. We'll tell you who next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now coming up on the show, the stories of women of color who have disappeared that are finally coming to light during Gabby Petito's investigation. Plus, SNL just announced their season 14 hosts. The big surprises in the T-Report in a moment. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. It's now going to be easier for LGBTQ and HIV-positive military veterans to access benefits. That's great news. The Department of Veterans Affairs announced that veterans who've been given anything less than an honorable discharge strictly because of their sexual orientation, gender identity, or HIV status will be eligible for the full slate of benefits unless there's something else in their record that disqualifies them. Well, finally, the VA step, stepping up for LGBTQ veterans. And as the fight over raising the nation's borrowing limit continues, Representative AOC also is continuing to fight back. I don't think a single American, I don't know a single member of my district that can say that our child care needs are being met in this country, that our health care needs are being met, that our climate uh, action that is necessary are, is being met. Our needs are not being met. And despite all of this rhetoric about the deficit and all this fear about government spending, for some reason, our defense budget 
seems to be exempt from this conversation and that we ask Americans and, and people in this country year after year to engage in the magical thinking that defense spending comes at no real cost. Now the uh, date for the vote over the infrastructure bill that continues to be debated is expected to be September 27th. So a lot of these conversations are also leading into that and what is needed to repair the nation during and post-COVID. And finally, a study published in the Journal of Happiness Studies has found what makes you happy, the three things. Not that surprising. I feel like we get some of these studies every single week, but this is one that makes it more official. Fruit and vegetable consumption and exercise can boost your levels of happiness. Findings demonstrated that the ability of individuals to delay gratification and apply self-control plays a major role in influencing lifestyle decisions which in turn has a positive impact on well-being. The research also shows that men appear to exercise more and women eat more fruit and vegetables. There you go. That was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? All right, SNL, they just announced the new hosts that are coming in October. It is time for the Tea Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Um, You know, they did win an Emmy. Um, this past Sunday, and I don't know if it was really deserved, but that's just for whoever you want to ask. But they are kicking off its 47th season on NBC on October 2nd, with Owen Wilson serving as host and Casey Musgraves joining as musical guest. The show, which um, in September won its fifth straight Emmy, literally the fifth one for Best Variety Sketch Series. Now, here's the really fun part. All four October shows will feature first-time hosts beginning with Owen Wilson. Kim Kardashian, who will host October 9th, um, joined by musical guest Halsey, which we love here on Channel Q. Rami Malek and Young Thug both make their SNL uh, debuts headlining the October 16th show. And former cast member and newly, of course, Ted Lasso. I mean, he just won a ton of uh, awards, Ted Lasso, the Mm -hmm. show. But he also won. Jason Sudeikis will host October 23rd with Brandi Carlisle as musical guest. So I don't know. SNL's coming with a a bang with their their October episodes. Um, So, yeah, stick around and check that out. First one is October 2nd. And that's your tea report. Now, before I move on, Mm -hmm. because I have a lot more to say, as always. Get into it. Got to tell you all about the I'm Listening program, our two-hour show um, that is featuring some of the biggest names in music, sports, and insight from some of the most respected mental health professionals as we strive to destigmatize talking about mental health. Hear personal stories from Little Nas X, Billie Eilish, Lizzo, Normani, Doja Cat, Shakira, Justin Bieber, Willow Smith, who, if you don't know, is the daughter of Will Smith, and many more. Um, this year has brought challenges and uncertainty to many lives, but you are not alone. It is okay not to be okay. So join us Thursday, September 23rd from 6 to 8 p.m. for I'm Listening right here and on the Odyssey app. For more information, visit imlistening.org. Now, next up on the show, would you get plastic surgery if your partner requested it? What happened to this one couple next? Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Would you get plastic surgery if your partner requested it? No, unless my partner has a ton of money and they are really just buying me everything. Pretty much your sugar daddy. Well, I do have an issue with this. I think that things like this need to come from you. Like if you're going to be changing your body, 
Like, if that's your thing and you want that, do what you want to do. But if you're you have a partner that's kind of pressuring you, I think that could, that's just a recipe for disaster. Well, my thing is, anytime a partner brings something up about your body in a way that feels um, like, oh, I wonder, you know, what we're both going to look like when we're old. I wonder, you know. Just, no, I feel like that's actually a real question. I don't think that's a real about. question. I think that's actually I do. I offensive. Think, I, Why I'm are you thinking about that? that. I'm going to disagree with that because when he, he if, okay, so if you're if Chris walks in here, Chris is my partner, and says, "I wonder what your boobs are going to look like when you're 65." I'm wondering that encur- too. Is he encouraging <laughs> you to get a boob job? No, I that don't feels think- like why are you looking at my body in the sense of like you want me to be like you want this body to stay when I'm 65? Guess what? It might not. Wow, this that went real intense very fast. I'm just saying. The thing is, is that that's because that's the filter you're putting it through. My filter is is that actually thinking about your existence and getting old is real when you're a couple because I you're think thinking that's about sweet. you're thinking about like what you're both gonna look like. I wonder what he's gonna look like. A lot of times, this is I th- this is I bad. I think there's a sweet side to it, but I also think like, oh my god, like what are you trying to say? Uh, well, yeah, and then of course, <laughs> no, as a as a woman, I do get a bit insecure, anxious. Like I have asked Chris in my moments of downing you know being down on myself yeah i've said oh do you think you're gonna be as attracted to me if my body or my face changes like that's a scary thing that's something i'm coming to terms with you know everyone approaches that differently as you get older but you know the reason why we're bringing this up is because there was this question in Slate on their. It doesn't advice matter column. why we're bringing. But I just up. thought it was we interesting. We just want to know. This person actually <laughs> got uh, at at this person's request. His girlfriend got a nose job. Well, her nose ended up getting dis- her face got disfigured, and that's her fault because she did that because her man asked her to, and 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 it's not even her husband. It's just her. And even if it is your husband, my thing is that's a that's an immediate sign that you may need to get a divorce. I don't ever want to be with someone who is looking at my body from point A and and trying to change what how my body looks. Now, if they're saying, "Oh, I would love to like you know like spend more time and like let's uh, let's both go like work out let's together, be healthy together, yeah, let's do something like that." Like, oh, that's Active. cute, but it shouldn't be wrapped around this weird disgust of like, "Oh, your body's changing and I'm not into you anymore. I'm not turned on by you anymore." That's a problem for me. And anytime that I think there's a fine line about it where, yes, you want to be attractive or you want to feel your best, you know, in whatever way for your partner. But also it's about you. And if your partner doesn't want you and how you come and how your body evolves and change, then screw them because somebody else will want you. That hey, that is true. I think that's a, a very fine line because I do think that just because you're with someone like people tend to not take care of themselves anymore or you take that person for granted and I do think you need to work on yourself whether it be internally all the time but as you work on yourself internally also work on your physical you know your physical body like it's not about how you look but it's how you feel and and being healthy don't we know that men should just stay out of it I mean, hasn't society told us all that? Like, you shouldn't be, like, talking about any woman's body in any way about change or anything. It just, unless y'all have that type of relationship, right? Like, if that's, like, cool, that's fine, whatever. And I even think it, just in general, it shouldn't even just be men should say, like, stop talking about bodies. 
everybody should just mind your business about other people's bodies because when we start to police people's bodies in the ways of being like, oh, that doesn't look right. Girl, you got a wrinkle there. Why your chin hang down so low? Oh my God, your ankles look weird. That wow, becomes ankles. a problem. And then that's why we start to see all these awful stories about social media impacting us and someone looking better and these unrealistic beauty standards. Just like someone and love someone for who they are and what they stand in. Well, in the end, if you're doing that to someone else, you're probably doing that to yourself, too. That's why I look myself in the in the mirror and be like, you are one badass bitch. Okay. That means you, you think that about all of us in the room. Not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> no, <I'm> just... <laughs> but well, seriously, I think we all should think that about each other. I, I agree. It starts with each of us. But yeah, be better to each other and, uh, you know, find the best at each other and bring each other up. Because, yeah, you don't want to be around someone that's policing you and shaming you for who you are. It's not sustainable. That relationship will not work long term. Well, next up, uh, we're continuing the conversation around Gabby Petito and other women's stories that aren't being told with Vice News after this. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. As more details come out about Gabby Petito's disappearance, which has quickly garnered national attention, it's bringing up a bigger conversation around the many women of color who have gone missing over the years without any um, media coverage. Well, and let's be clear, this conversation has always existed. Yeah. It's just now being brought to this forefront because the blonde white girl has gone missing, which is tragic. Don't get me wrong. I'm not being heartless here, but I think we got to call a spade a spade. Yeah, that's true. And so Manisha Krishnan, who's a senior editor at Vice News, actually covered this. Uh, and we want to talk to her more about it. Manisha, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me on. Now, you mentioned in your article, 40% of Americans reported missing are people of color. So why has this becoming become such a big story, Gabby's case? Um, I mean, I think we've seen, you know, this case garner a lot of attention for a number of reasons. But undeniably, I think one of them is that she is a young, um, sort of conventionally attractive young white woman. Um, And I think in this case, there's also an element of intrigue because she was an influencer. And so there's a lot of footage and clues and things like that. Um, but as people have pointed out, there have been other cases um, of, of other sort of people going missing where that social media factor wasn't um, wasn't a thing. Lacey Peterson comes to mind. Um, and so we've had a number of these very high profile cases involving white women and not a lot involving um, women of other backgrounds and races. 
Yeah, and that's what's troubling here because I think we often see that in any case throughout, um, unfortunately, our, our our culture and society where one group of people are kind of put in the, the mainstream and it's talked about more and there's more attention because it just, everyone flocks to it. Um, but talk about, there there was some indigenous women that in that same area actually that have gone missing, right? You reported about that. Yeah, so in the state of Wyoming, um, you know, more than 700 Indigenous people were reported missing from 2011 and to, to 2020. Um, so that's a huge crisis. That's from all, all parts of the state. And um, I'm actually Canadian, and it's a, it's a really big problem here, mm-hmm. too, where we've had, you know, sort of national inquiries looking into this. Um, and a lot of times those cases just don't receive any media attention. But there's also an issue where when the media does cover these stories, um, when it's Indigenous people, they're not treated the same way. They're not given the same sort of narrative and backstory. And, you know, this was their family life. These were their hobbies. Um, Often they're sort of dehumanized or, you know, we hear about crime or drug addiction and things like that. So that also influences how the public sees these people. Definitely. And I'm Canadian, too. And actually, my uh, friend did the documentary Highway of Tears about the highway where so many women have gone missing, specifically Indigenous women. And it's really tragic. And um, hopefully there will be a change or at least this attention makes a difference. But do you think with that said, there is a silver lining here that this is now becoming a, a bigger story and the, and the nuance that we're talking about? Will this now change how we approach um this community that has gone missing and continues to deal with this? I hope so. I mean, I certainly think that among people of color, we've all had these discussions before. I mean, those of us who are journalists have seen these sorts of discussions play out in newsrooms or you notice that it's often white women um, when crimes are committed against them. They're the ones who are sort of given the the feature treatment, if you will. Um, And so this is the first time that I can recall where we're really having this conversation because it is a really, really delicate conversation. Like we don't want to take away from the fact that something awful happened to Gabby Petito. Um, And, you know, I I don't think people are saying she doesn't deserve this response or this coverage. Um, And so I'm pleased to see that people seem to be open to talking about it and aren't just immediately reacting in a super defensive way. Yeah, I I agree with that. And um, I I think, you know, I saw people were dragging, you know, conservative media were dragging like journalists uh, in MSNBC's uh, Joy Reid because she brought up this kind of race perspective into this. And I think it's important to even talk about because we saw last year how this country went through this racial awakening and it it felt like there was going to be this change. But as we kind of see and it plays out even now to modern times, like where we are currently, it feels like that's kind of slowed down in, in this sense. Like, not everyone has that same energy behind it. And so I, I genuinely do wonder, do you do you think, you know, these stories and these women that are missing, unfortunately, are we ever going to see the same type of attention? I don't, I don't think we are, and if I'm being honest, unfortunately. I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard, right? Because you do see the momentum really slowing down Um, you know, since the sort of post-George Floyd reckoning that we've seen. And law enforcement is, of course, a huge part of this. Both the media and law enforcement are probably two of the most important institutions that we really have. Um, And so both of them are largely run by white people. I mean, that's just what it is, right? And so we have... 
um, a situation where journalists don't necessarily pick up on these stories where it's BIPOC people who are missing because maybe they don't relate to it, um, you know, or what, what have you. And then you also have law enforcement who maybe dismiss some of these cases or they'll they'll say someone was running away or oh they were they were just a drug addict they died of an overdose when maybe mm-hmm. that wasn't actually the case um, and so it's kind of a circular problem but I think it is positive that at least um, we are having these conversations and I've been asked to speak about it a couple times and so I'm happy about that. Well, yeah, Daniel Robinson, they will be looking into his missing persons case. He also uh, was went missing in Grand Teton. And so that is something there that came out of this case. Well, we appreciate you for joining us and for your coverage. Thank you so much for having me on for this. I think it's a really important topic, so I'm glad that we could talk about it. Yeah, we would love to have you back on to if there's when there's updates and all these things on to continue to keep us informed. So thank you. For sure. Sounds good. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you. That was Manisha Krishnan, senior editor at Vice News. Coming up next, why these Instagrammers are getting dragged for visiting a former prison converted into a luxury hotel. Yes, cringe. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. People are always trying to find ways to make something more Instagrammable. And I feel like these folks just took it too far. So there is this luxury hotel right now, but it was made from a prison. Uh, It's called the Malmaison Oxford Hotel. But even on Instagram, when you tag location, it says the prison hotel. Okay. And these Instagrammers went there to take some pictures in Instagram influencer fashion. They posed in prison cells with their champagne and wine and basically boasted about the fact that they were living in a place that was uh, where people were tortured and um, that contributed to systemic racism and inequality. So what do we think about this whole thing? Like, is this like, what do you do? do? Like, do you just like destroy a place like this? Is Does it make sense that they converted it into something? No. Um, it would have made sense if they would have torn it down and, and built something else. But they didn't do that. They literally just like fixed the hallways and added some fancy lights. And, and people are sitting on prison beds. And it's unfortunately, you know... <laughs> I don't know. Is there ever going to be a show where I don't bring up white people? (laughs) Because somehow y'all always find some way to make something and do something tone deaf and just be completely inappropriate in doing it. Because in these photos, that's literally all you see in these photos. These people who are bragging about being in a prison hotel. I mean, a gentrified prison sounds like a nightmare. Hashtag prison life. Mal Mason Oxford Prison. Most beautiful prison to get locked up in. I don't know. I would feel like one, I just just not, I don't feel comfortable sleeping somewhere. Like, how do you sleep well at night in a place like that? Right? How do you, 
I, I, I think here's the thing. I, when you when you don't have any fear of the police or the justice system because it doesn't affect you in any way, this does it's like, oh, it's just like going to a haunted house or it's just like going yeah. to an escape room. But when there's like actual systemic like attachments to going to a place like this and like being like, no, I can't walk into this building without understanding the history of what took place and like why prisons and the reasons why maybe we should be working on reforming prisons and, and, and abolishing like actual prisons in these ways. And this idea of converting it into something like this just shows you everything that's what what's wrong with like influencer culture. And and the like we said yesterday, there's a positive and there's a negative side to social media. And this is most definitely the negative side. Yes. Someone said truly living in a capitalist hell. Um, and this person made a really good point, the Reagan Davis. One day after prison abolition, we will view prisons the way we currently view plantations, and people will continue to do this for the same reason plantations become B&Bs and wedding locations, which we look down upon, right? We've called out folks, including, I think, Ryan Reynolds. And uh, who married Ryan Reynolds again? That actress? What? Blake Lively? They had their wedding. They had to apologize because they had it on a... Uh, plantation so yeah I, I think this is in bad taste it's wrong and i would never want to stay there so yeah something you might want to avoid if you're invited to uh, a prison hotel in the future but next up uh, a viral attack on a gsa club is raising concerns over lgbtq student safety we've got more details next on what's trending this hour Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We are back. Hope you're enjoying some great music here on Channel Q. But we've got lots coming up on the show. We've got an expert joining us to explain why you might buy something and keep it even if you don't need it anymore. It's called hoarding. No. There's like, I feel like a step before hoarding that happens. You're not like a hoarder, but you're not just... judgy to me. Well, I'm one of those people. I'm not a hoarder, but I'm also not someone who just throws everything away. I'm right in the middle. So I feel like a lot of people are there in that gray area. I think that's what most hoarders say. <laughs> well, we'll see. just right in the middle. They don't have a problem. <laughs> in 15 minutes. Plus, what Britney Spears thinks of the new documentary coming out on Netflix. That's in the T-Report in a moment. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour. School officials and police in St. John's, Florida, announced that they are investigating um, a, v- a video that shows students verbally harassing members of the Gay Street Alliance at Bartram Trail High School. Friday's incident in Florida was similar to an incident earlier this month, unfortunately, in Georgia, where a widely circulated video appeared to show a student attacking a fellow student who was wearing a pride flag in his high school cafeteria, violently throwing the flag into a trash can and then attacking a fellow student who tried to stop him. And so the school is continuing to investigate that to figure out what happened. But it's bringing up concerns over LGBTQ student safety. The Biden administration is ramping up deportation flights of migrants to as many as seven a day and talking to Brazil and Chile to possibly repatriate Haitians who previously resided in those countries as they scramble to figure out what they should do amid the bipartisan criticism with what's happening on the border and in Del Rio. But even as the Department of Homeland Security tries to figure something out, more than 1,000 migrants who had been under the Del Rio International Bridge have actually been allowed into the U.S. And that's according to an area organization that has helped those released. And finally, in Washington, the debt ceiling debate is heating up as lawmakers try to find a way to keep the government from running out of cash. It seems like they continue to run out of cash. 
uh, Fed Chief Powell said it's just very important that the debt ceiling be raised so that the United States can pay its bills when they come due. Yeah, that would be great. And he added that the damage to the economy and financial markets would be severe if they were a default. Nobody should assume the Fed could fully protect the economy against such a failure. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so let's find out. um, Brittany, she's apparently not happy with this new documentary that's coming out. Uh, It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm not really shocked about that. There's another unauthorized documentary talking about your 13-year conservatorship. I would be pretty upset as well. And not even really just upset, just embarrassed, again, where everyone's in her business. Well, according to a source... They said this is another unauthorized documentary without her blessing our participation. Um, and she does not support it. Now, here's the thing. Netflix released a trailer for the up, uh, forthcoming documentary due on September 28th, which explores the global pop star's 13-year conservatorship battle. Um, yeah, it just seems like she's just not happy about it, according to the source. But I will say the um, filmmaker who actually directed this said in an interview, their name is Aaron Lee Carr, Um, that she tried to get a hold of Britney for the project. She said, quote, I always hoped and dreamed and wished and prayed to the documentary gods that I tried to contact her repeatedly, but I had to sit with the understanding that it was unlikely to happen. She even um, said that she even sent the, quote, overprotected singer a letter and has quote reason to believe that she was able to read it. Um, I think she focused, she's focusing on her new boo. Yeah, I mean, she did just get engaged. Um, I don't know. I'm interested in seeing how this one's going to be different from the New York Times documentary. But we'll just have to wait and see for it to drop on September 28th. It's going to be a moment. Oh, yeah. Definitely we'll be watching that. Yeah, that's your tea report. I got more coming up next hour. Well, coming up, a psychological condition that might explain why clutter accumulates. We're here to help you or a friend of yours. Who knows? Okay. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Why can some people accumulate so many ordinary possessions without ever using or getting rid of them? This is actually a psychological condition. I don't think it is. And I reject that notion um, because I do like to go thrifting. And oftentimes, and I was actually just talking about this. How hilarious. Um, I was just talking about how I go thrifting sometimes and I'll see things that Mm -hmm. are so cool. Yeah. Not my size. Okay. But we'll still buy it because I don't want anyone oh. else to have it. Okay, that's interesting. I have done that. It's kind since of evil, I've... Ryan. Yeah, but some people don't deserve. I'm and happy I you're also, making that choice. For I'm them. also like I, I, you know, the way that I like, I, I make it make sense in my mind is like, well, one day I will be able to fit into the small. Well, I feel like that's as- <laughs> it's aspirational. Or maybe you can give it to someone as a present. No, if I want it, I want it for me. Wow. I, I'm hearing like kindergarten run, run right now. <laughs> I want it. I want it for me. Well, uh, Jacqueline Rifkin is with us right now, an assistant professor of marketing at University of Missouri, Kansas City, who was one of the researchers behind uh, this whole thing. Thanks for being here. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. So you decided to get into this after dealing with this yourself? Yes. I uh, have this sort of infamous t-shirt that I talk about now for years that I bought. It was not anything inherently special, just like an everyday white shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some reason, every time I considered putting it on, I then kind of, you know, passed and move on, moved on to something else in my wardrobe. And 
every time that happened, I felt like it was getting harder and harder to put it on. And it just started feeling more and more special. I kept thinking, oh, not tonight. I'll wait for a date. And then not tonight. I'll wait for a job interview. And I just kept kind of blowing it up more and more in my mind to the point where this ordinary shirt felt like this treasure that could almost never be worn at that point. I mean, one, I don't know. I'm triggered by the word ordinary in this moment because I feel like if you have an attachment to something like that, that means it's something special for you. It, it means something to you in that moment, in that chapter of your life. And so why do we, why are we putting such, I guess, like intense intenseness on this moment of being like, well, it, it was ordinary, but I'm kind of like spiraling and I'm now it, it's like this treasure. Does it have to be that? Why is it that complicated? So I think it's interesting. I think you raise a good point that there are a lot of possessions that feel special right off the bat. So maybe they remind us of a particular time in our lives. Maybe they were inherited from a family member or gifted to us by a loved one. Um, and, you know, that's super reasonable to have these special things that we kind of want to protect and care for and kind of almost, you know, fence off for really special occasions. What we were really interested in in this project, uh, me and uh, Jonah Berger, who's at uh, University of Pennsylvania, was when that same kind of pattern starts to happen with things that didn't start out as special. So just you're browsing through Target and you pick up a t-shirt because you think it looks nice or you have a candle maybe that came as a bonus in another order that you had made. So things that really didn't have any special meaning attached to them in any way can start to take on those properties over time. And that's what we thought was really quite fascinating and potentially has something to do with why we can accumulate so much stuff and so much clutter over time. Definitely. And you call this the specialness spiral and what's the psychology behind it? Yeah. So the specialness spiral is, as I mentioned, this process of kind of over time, something that didn't initially have too much meaning to us can kind of accrue and become more and more special and then be less and less likely to be used over time. And what we talk about in the paper and what we find through our experiments is that when people pass up usage, so when I looked at that white shirt and thought, oh, no, never mind, that can kind of lead us to believe that we're waiting to use it. So we could have passed it up for any number of reasons. But if we feel like we're waiting, well, then it must be at least a little bit special, right? Something that we wait for is obviously worth waiting for. So to the extent that I'm waiting to use it, it feels a little bit more special. And then we kind of use it as if it were special, which is to say, we try and not use it, right? We try to not use the really special dishes from grandma. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's interesting. I I also can't help but think about, like, what's the fine line? You know, like, what's the fine line of, like, understanding, like, maybe this is actually, this is, this is a really special thing and I want to keep it forever, memories, all that good stuff, but then also, like, you start naming everything and you need to be on an episode of TLC's Hoarders. Like, what's that <laughs> fine line? 
Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I um, I thought a lot about clutter for this project. And then obviously, once you start going down the clutter rabbit hole, you start thinking about hoarding, which can obviously be really, really serious. And, and you know, it's a clinical disorder. Um, something that I like to think a lot about and, and that you, you all are, are mentioning is that uh, a lot of our possessions, when they kind of fall prey to these specialness spirals and they feel like these kind of heirlooms that we can't ever really, you know, use or wear, they start to take on slightly different meaning. So that shirt that I have, it doesn't really function as a shirt for me anymore because I still have never worn it, but it reminds me of that time in my life when I bought it. So it has that special meaning attached to it. Um, and it, it feels kind of like a souvenir. So it's it may not be a shirt anymore to me or, you know, these bottles of wine that we carry around. They're probably vinegar at this point. They're not really wine anymore. <laughs> but they, they might remind us of a time or of a person or of an event. So, so they can still be special. And it, hopefully they can still, you know, enrich our lives in some way to the extent that it's not, you know, drowning and stuff. So what do we do if we're starting to have a, a bit of a negative relationship in terms of this? Like, this is not helping our lives. What are you supposed to do about it? So my recommendation would be just try to use your stuff. Just try to break the seal, rip off the Band-Aid, whatever phrase, you know, feels best to you. I uh, personally am a real lover of stationery. I love journals and notebooks and pens, and I am absolutely the person that will do this. I'll get a notebook, uh, figure I'll use it for notes for something, and then, you know, eight months will go by and I will have never written it at once. All the pages will be perfect, and it's just harder and harder to finally, you know, use it. But at some point I have to tell myself, just crack it open, take a note. Once you start using it, it becomes a lot easier to continue using it. So if you have, you know, all the candles lying around that you're accumulating, just light one. If you yeah, have don't light them all. Don't put that, your house on fire. Yeah, no, don't light them. A baby step. Okay. Yeah, just just use your stuff. Enjoy enjoy your stuff. Or get a friend that you know like is like is very simple and just to throw everything out. That oh sometimes you got to do that. I just thought of it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, uh, Jacqueline Rifkin, thank you so much for being here. Well, can I ask yeah, really thank quick? You. I don't want you to go anywhere. Wait, 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 wait. Because <laughs> real quick, you got 30 seconds. Do you think the quarantine played into that? Because, you know, we were very like hoarding toilet paper and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, I wondered, is that something that will move forward into the, the space that you think, you know, this, what, a more healthier space? Or do you think the quarantine made it more worse when everyone was freaked out by fear? Yeah, I think it's a really good point. I think what I've thought about is it's so easy to acquire things now. I mean, all of us, for better or for worse, are pretty addicted to Amazon one-click shopping. You know, you can have the thing that you want on your doorstep 24 hours from now. It's so much easier to get things. And if we're not using things at that same rate, if we're kind of not keeping up with how much we're buying, I, I think, you know, that's how stuff accumulates, right? You buy eight more spices before you've had a chance to even crack open the first spice. Um, and so, yeah, I think to the extent that we're all just kind of hanging at home, buying a lot in a quick and easy way, I think it makes it really hard to keep up and, and probably makes the clutter issues worse. Definitely. Well, that was Jacqueline Rifkin, Assistant Professor of Marketing at University of Missouri, Kansas City. Thanks so much for joining us. 
Thank you. Next up, the five phrases to avoid that make you sound passive aggressive. We're here to help after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Now, a lot of us communicate over text or email, but you might not be realizing that your communication is passive aggressive. Oh, no, I know. (laughs) That helps. (laughs) I'm very self aware. So, what do you do about it, though? Because it's not necessarily sustainable. And there's actually. It always is. Yes, it is. You keep doing (laughs) it. You keep doing it. That is sustaining itself. Until people just start dropping off. Just don't text you anymore. That's actually what you wanted in the first place. I see your strategy. (laughs) Well, so here's the go to statements you might be using that are passive aggressive and what you should be doing. Um, And this is actually, I I thought this was a really interesting article on CNBC. Um, It's so funny how many people use these things. Per my last email, Supposedly, this is passive aggressive. You should not be saying, per my last email, for future reference, bumping this to the top of your inbox, just so we're on the same page going forward, which is so interesting because I feel like, I mean, I've used some of these phrases. Wait, what's it? What is it? Per my last email. Oh, that's a great one. No, no what it actually means. You didn't, read, email you didn't really read what I wrote. Pay attention. Stop being stupid. <laughs> And get it together. I'm not going to tell you again per my last email, but I want to keep my job because if I cuss you out, then I'm going to lose my job and then my bills won't be paid. So per my last email, stick with that one. That's a great one. (laughs) All right. So the right way to express what you mean. No. Here are four things successful communicators do. Screw them. Please be open to receive. They're not that happy. (laughs) Um, don't respond to messages or emails when you're angry or frustrated. This is actually some really that's good, a good advice. That's, yeah, actually, this is, that's a good one. Yeah, this is. It prevents miscommunication, wasted time, and regret. Yeah, that's, that's a good true. One. And and that's hard because a lot of times we don't have patience, right? It all comes down to patience, right? We're not patient with others. We're not patient with ourselves. We just want to get something out there, and then it's not maybe the best way to get it out there. Oh, this is an interesting one, Ryan. Assume good intents. Gross. <laughs> No, you can't always do that. It's very naive. Instead, oh, of calling, that article? instead of calling someone out for screwing up, step into their shoes and ask, what are some reasons why they might have made this mistake? Okay, I'm going to step into their shoes. And That's some like, compassion. Well, I wonder why they screwed up. <laughs> Show empathy and encouragement. You know. And then it said, avoid digital ghosting. Well, that's that, you know, I think some people deserve to be digital ghosts. If you work with them or they're, I mean... I think that at a certain point, you would need to respond to it. No. Right? No, you are a grown person. If you pay your own bills, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, I'm looking at this. Uh, I mean, I, I think ghosting, I'm against ghosting overall. So I, I'm not. Some situations, you got to ghost for your survival. I think that when it comes to uh, dating apps, yes, and maybe someone you're dating. I think at a certain point, you have to deal with the issue at hand. By the way, another thing that I've recently... <laughs> <laughs> Trying to avoid something. <laughs> this is actually. I, I'm, I'm moving on now, to the I'm, next thing. Let's let's bring. Let's keep talking about this. Fine. Keep this conversation going. I have one last one Guess I want to inc- tell you, and it's a personal I'm not being one. Passive aggressive. We gotta. I can't even say it. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So we've been talking about ways to not sound passive aggressive over email or even over text. And one of the things that I recently learned, I've been listening to this book, but you can read it, called Radical Candor. It talks about how to be candid. Not the book, but Shira bringing up this book. (laughs) But, you know, having honest conversations with people while not being an a-hole 
And so, um, so one of the things that they said in terms of giving feedback, including with work, instead of saying you're wrong, it's saying like I think that's wrong, because so you're not personalizing it, which is like a huge thing because people do get defensive, defensive, and won't take feedback when you say you're wrong. It's like you're. But what if they are attacking? who they are in their personality. But that's no, not a way, no, great no, no, way no, 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 to no, 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 get them to open up to feedback. Ah, hell no. Oh, here it goes. First of all, <laughs> giving someone constructive criticism or criticism in general is not attacking them personally. I think we have to get rid of that notion. And I think that's the that type of like coddling is, is like honestly giving someone a participation trophy when they, they're not living up to the standard that they should be living up to. I think saying, like, you're right. If someone is wrong, tell them they are wrong. Not say that's wrong. No, you're wrong. And you, because if you're saying that's wrong, then how are you going to know that maybe I shouldn't be thinking about it in this way? You're wrong. Well, that the, the, they're saying that it's about switching the communication Girl, screw that it. book and screw you. <laughs> Well, I'm totally on your side now, Ryan. Wow. I feel so connected to you. I feel like you support me. You see me. You're wrong. <laughs> oh, my God. That's But, hilarious. I mean, it, it, it is hard to wrap your mind around it because it doesn't seem like that would make sense if you're really trying to yeah. get in, get, uh, you know. Brain fart. Uh, get in and I was going to say not just communicate with someone but like really get someone to understand where you're coming from right if you think something of someone and it's not working right you of course are just like what the you know all the noises and all the sounds right and all the people you said there was one extra sentence that you wanted to read that you that is instead of I thinking you're wrong I think that's that's what we waited for yeah you're wrong And breathe. You know, when all else fails and you don't know what to say. She wanted to keep this whole conversation going. breathe. For that? Yeah, that's what I said. I, I'm reading this book, Radical Candor. She's an exec. She was an exec at Apple well, and uh, Google and led teams to millions and billions of dollars. And she and cre- was an executive co- coach and has created all these programs around this. Well, and she, she learned all these you, things. Let me just say this then. That's wrong. <laughs> See, I... I could take that more than saying when you say I'm wrong because I don't feel like it's a personal attack on me. Then stop being a baby. <laughs> Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yaz Queen of the day. Yes, Queen. Now, this one is is sad, but we thought it was important to honor this person today, Willie Garson, who is best known for playing Carrie Bradshaw's gay friend, Stanford Blatch on Sex and the City. He unfortunately has passed away, and this felt very sudden, due to pancreatic cancer at age 57. And he was recently filming the show's revival series, and just like that, um, his son, Nathan, wrote on Instagram, I love you so much, Papa. Rest in peace, and I'm so glad you got to share all your adventures with me and were able to accomplish so much. I mean, his role on Sex and the City, just iconic. Mm -hmm. I think everyone goes to that when they remember him. And... um, I think he also was very valuable when it came to queer representation in the media, Um, even though that character at times probably was a little bit over the top. But I still think for that time and that period that we were in when Sex and the City first came out, it was important. And um, I'm happy that we can everyone's remembering him in such a beautiful way because, wow. 
That was, I didn't even know he had cancer. That's so sad. I know. It reminds me, oh, yeah, Norm MacDonald recently died of cancer, too, the comedian. Well, yeah. Uh, and that happened, it felt like it happened out of nowhere, but he was Wait, dealing he was with it with secretly it, yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Oh, my so, God, he was also in Buffy the Vampire, not Norman, but. Uh, yeah. Well, Willie Garson, we are sending you lots of love and, of course, to everyone who knew him. And that was our Yes Queen of the Day. Yeah. Yes, Queen. And that does it for our show today, but we are back tomorrow, same time, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern, live. And on tomorrow's show, uh, we're going to be talking about flags, being banned at schools, and what are schools going to do to deal with this? Because it just seems like it's not sustainable. And All types of flags? Or just... Well, BLM and pride flags. Oh, interesting. Yes. Well, okay. Hmm. So how can you uh, stand for what you believe in? And uh, and without being like something happening to you, losing your job, right? And stand for justice. That's tomorrow's show. If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app or podcasts are available and search. Let's go there. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris right after this, where he's covering ageism and how we talk to ourselves. That's next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.